This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, a very happy Pentecost Sunday to you, this great feast of the Holy Spirit. What I want to do is something I don't usually do, and that's a two-parter homily. We have two great feasts, really, of the Holy Spirit back-to-back. First, Pentecost, of course, but then next week we have Trinity Sunday. Who's the Holy Spirit but the love that connects the Father and the Son? Therefore, in a special way, I think of Trinity Sunday as a feast of the Spirit. So what I want to do uh, this week and next week is talk about the Holy Spirit by focusing upon what I think is one of the really great texts in the whole New Testament, namely the fifth chapter of Paul to the Galatians. It's our second reading for Pentecost. And it's one of the most thorough and, I think, practical instructions in the spiritual life. Again, I don't mean that vaguely. Some people use that term kind of vaguely. I mean it very specifically. I mean the life lived in the Holy Spirit. What does it look like? And more to the point, what doesn't it look like? Paul lays out both sides of that equation by looking at the works of the flesh and then the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So what I'll do is this week for Pentecost, I'll talk about some of those works of the flesh and then maybe give you a little hint this week and then more next week about the fruits of the Holy Spirit. What does it look like to have the Holy Spirit in you? Now, here's the first general observation, and everything else is just kind of a specification of this. Since the Holy Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. Whatever is in accord with love will be in accord with the Spirit. Or turn around, whatever is of the Spirit will always be a modality of love. That's the most basic Christian insight you've got. And whatever is out out of step with love, outside the aegis of love, that's something that will be opposed to the Spirit. Now, here's St. Paul. Listen. The works of the flesh are obvious. And I've mentioned this to you before, I know, but don't read this in a Platonizing way. Paul is not a Platonist. Plato felt the flesh, meaning the body, the physical, was the problem. Well, Paul doesn't hold that. Paul's a Jew. He has nothing at all against the the flesh, meaning the body. Sarx, that's his word in Greek, flesh. doesn't designate the body so much. It designates the arena of sin, all that stands athwart God's purposes. That's the the flesh or the work of the flesh. So what are they? What does it look like when you're not living according to the Holy Spirit? Paul first observes immorality, impurity, and lust are works of the flesh. 
immorality, impurity, and lust. Now, I know from time immemorial and very much to the present day, the church is accused of being obsessed with sex. And, you know, perhaps some church people have been. I won't deny that. I I often rail against uh, Puritanism, which is a kind of unhealthy obsession with uh, sexual sin. But, listen, we all know in our bones that one of the ways that spiritual dysfunction manifests itself is through bad sexual behavior. I mean, human beings have known that forever. Read the poets, read the myth-makers, read the novelists, look at the painters, and so on. People have known that a lot of dysfunction comes through a bad expression of sexuality. So, when Paul refers to immorality, what's he talking about? He's talking about fornication and adultery. Now, again, I don't have to tell you how much deep human sadness is caused by this casual and selfish form of sexual behavior. You know, I came of age in a time of um, kind of sexual permissiveness. No, too many hang-ups, too much puritanism, you just do what you want. Tell that to someone who's been the victim of adultery. Tell that to someone whose marriage has fallen apart because of adulterous behavior. See, immorality, in Paul's sense here, is very much a work of the flesh, meaning it's not under the aegis of love. See, friends, that's the heart of it. It always has been the heart of it for the church's sexual teaching. Sex that's in line with love is according to the Spirit. If it's not, it's according to the flesh. He next refers to impurity. Now, what's that? Well, I say any form of sexual behavior, think of of masturbation or pornography, that reduces sex simply to a form of pleasure, divorcing it from any real connection and love. See, again, that's the, the hinge, isn't it? What's impure, don't read in a fussy, puritanical way, what's impure is sexual behavior that has lost any real connection to human beings and to love. And then he mentions lust. Again, easy enough to define. Lust is the reduction of another human being to the level of an object. Another way to put it, it's turning another human being simply into a means for one's own sexual gratification. That's lust. John Paul II often uses that language of ends and means. Human beings have such dignity, they should never be treated simply as a means, but always as an end in themselves. Lust is the reduction of a human being simply to a means for my own gratification. So, signs that we're living according to the flesh and not the spirit, immorality, impurity, lust. Next, Paul mentions idolatry. Now, it's easy enough, I suppose, to think that we're immune to this problem. I mean, not many of us are worshiping Zeus or Thor. Maybe you watch the new Avengers movie and you'll see, I guess, people who are obsessed with Thor. But as you know, idolatry is not primarily about Zeus and Thor. Rather, it's the substitution of something less than God for God. In this sense, idolatry happens all the time. 
And it remains, in fact, the principal spiritual problem. So, pleasure, money, power, fame, our own egos, our families, our countries, all good things in themselves, but they all become, can become, the object of our ultimate concern. They can become the central gathering point of your life. And see, when that happens, you're dealing with idolatry. So, a very, very good, honest, spiritual question to ask is, what are you worshiping? What do you worship? To worship anything or anyone other than God is to fall into what Paul calls idolatry, another of the works of the flesh. Next, Paul talks about sorcery as a work of the flesh. Now, again, that sounds pretty far-fetched, doesn't it? Who's involved in sorcery today? Well, talk to anybody seriously involved in the work of exorcism. I've known a couple of priests here in Chicago who have been involved in the work of exorcism. You know what they tell you over and over again? People that dabble in the dark arts are the ones who are often exposed to spiritual danger. Maybe beginning with something as innocent as a Ouija board. But people begin experimenting with the occult, with the dark arts. For that matter, talk to any policeman. Talk to policemen about violent crime in and around our major cities. You might be surprised how much of it is connected to the occult. Here's the biblical take on this, friends. There are lots of spirits. Not all of them are holy. There's a world that we can see, sure, the world we can measure, and it's altogether real. Is that all there is? We have a whole spiritual tradition that says no. There's a dimension to reality that we cannot see directly, can't measure directly with our instruments, but is eminently real. That spiritual realm is inhabited by spirits both good and bad, which is why Paul spoke, as you know, of the discernment of spirits. Good spiritual question to ask, which powers are you involved with? Sorcery is a work of the flesh. Next, Paul speaks of hatreds, rivalry, jealousy, dissensions, and factions. This I find fascinating, how often Paul speaks of these things in his letters. Again, if the Holy Spirit is a spirit of love above all, then all these things that divide us and set us against each other are necessarily opposed to the Holy Spirit. Are you cultivating hatred right now for anybody? Perhaps someone who hurt you in the past, someone who was cruel to you or violent, deeply unfair. Well, do something about it. Because if you don't, you're operating according to the flesh. You're contributing to divisions, factions, rivalries, hatreds. Ask yourself honestly, are you someone who likes to stir up conflict? 
who enjoys taking sides, setting one group against the other? Are you perhaps beset with jealousy, noticing when others get preferential treatment or attention or advancement? Well, then you're not working under the aegis of the Holy Spirit. Immorality, impurity, lust, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, rivalry, jealousy, dissensions, factions. It's a hard lesson, isn't it? But is there any of this that's alien to our experience? I don't think so. One of the most important themes in the spiritual life is awareness. Are you awake to these realities, even to the painful ones? Pentecost is the feast of the Holy Spirit. That means God's own life, the divine love, comes rushing into the church. God's Holy Spirit has a kind of expulsive power. I mean, for it to come in, it has to expel that which is of the flesh. Can I suggest, friends, and I'll... I'll Elaborate upon this next week on the Feast of the Holy Trinity. We'll look at the positive side next week. But use Galatians chapter 5 this week as a sort of examination of conscience. Take a good, hard look at these passages. Look at Paul's list of the works of the flesh. And ask yourself, to what degree am I in the grip of these darker spiritual realities? And then, then, ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit to come into your life and transform you from within. More about that and how it works next week when we look at the Feast of the Holy Trinity. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the Word on Fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.